Last week, we began discussing the issues related to Psaq that are not limited to the adjudication of halachic issues narrowly. And we discussed some of the issues of what we call politics of Psaq. There are several other elements that we need to turn to to fully understand the process a posse goes through when issuing a decision. The first thing I want to discuss is that the act of paskining, making a halachic ruling, is not necessarily the same as a posseik learning a sugya, learning a halachic topic, and coming to a conclusion. That by definition, to rule halachically is to issue that decision for others. And therefore, the Gemara clarifies in several places that something does not count as a psak unless the posek actually says you should go and follow this. And the Gemara even indicates that there are certain nafkamina, there are certain differences to a theoretical halachic position and a psak, such as cases of Zakin Mamre, where one has a member of the Sanhedrin, a person who's worthy of paskining at the highest levels, ruling differently than the Sanhedrin. So if he rules differently from the Sanhedrin, or acts in accordance with his psak, so then he is liable to the death penalty. But the Gemara clarifies that this is not true if he merely gives a theoretical shear, even if he gives a halacha shear, he gives a halacha lecture in which he develops his position and says, this is what I think the halacha is. It's only if he issues an actual halachic decision that this is considered a violation of the rules of Zakein Mamre. Similarly, the Gemara discussing the issue of parhelam davar shel tzibor, of a karban, a sacrifice that is brought when the high court, when the Sanhedrin issues a ruling which is mistaken, and the majority of the Jewish people follow this psak, a unique karban is brought, the parhelam davar shel tzibor. Again, the Gemara there discusses that in order for this rule to apply the Beit Din in question must not just issue a theoretical opinion, but it must direct the people specifically to act in accordance with their ruling. It must be clear that this is meant to be taken as a halachic statement. These sugyot are discussed at the bidding of Horiot in the latter part of Sanhedrin as well. The Gemara lists other cases there are certain dispensations that one can uh, take advantage of if one can claim to have made a mistake following the Beit Din. In other areas of halacha, there is a prohibition against ruling while intoxicated. And again, there the, the halacha is that this applies to issuing a decision. This does not apply to giving shear unless... Someone, the person giving the shear is the type of person who is a posseik and normally gives shear in such a way that whatever they say is understood to be practical halacha. What these examples point to 
is that even formulating a halachic position is not actually identical with psak. Psak is telling somebody you can or cannot do X or Y. It's not simply outlining a halachic position. And therefore, if one wants to understand psak in its totality, one must pay attention not just to how do poskim come to their conclusions, but how do they convey those conclusions to their audience. Because the act of paskening, the act of making a halachic ruling, is by definition ruling for someone. Perhaps even more striking, the examples that we've seen are the examples that appear in the sugya of why one is bound to follow a halachic decision. Where again, the way halacha presents it is that one is only bound to follow a posaic after having asked the question. And, without getting to too much detail here, it's possible for someone to ask a posaic a question one day, and a year later to have the exact same or almost identical situation come up and turn to a different posaic. And after having asked time one, they are bound to follow the psak in the first instance, but they're not in the second instance, and now when they ask the second posaic, they're bound to the decision that they get from that posaic. Because psak is when someone asks a question and that question is answered. Then one follows that decision. And that interaction between the posseik and the shoel, between the person who formulates the halachic position and the one who is going to follow it, who is looking for guidance, is critical to understanding what psak is. There are several elements of this idea that must be analyzed to fully understand its implications. There's an excellent article written by Rabbi Dr. Aviad HaKohen in the Orthodox Forum on the volume of Religious Zionism post-disengagement, future directions. And he wrote an article there called Religious Zionist Halacha. Is it a reality or was it a dream? And there, he's trying to articulate what exactly would make someone a religious Zionist posseik. I think some of his comments there will be helpful in clarifying not just what a religious Zionist posseik is, which is his goal in that article, but certain of his insights there will help us understand what it means for a posseik to be engaged in the process of adjudicating halacha in a communal context. So there, he notes that certain elements of what make a religious Zionist posseik have to do with the substance of what they talk about. Any posseik can talk about Hilchot Shabbat, Hilchot Kashrut, Hilchot Nida, 
Halchot Shatnez. But someone who's committed to religious Zionism, to a state as a halachic value, will be involved in areas of halacha that are oriented around the state, such as laws of the state, laws of the army, and the like, the interaction of uh, modernity on halacha, especially as it relates to the state, how halacha can be harnessed, or what it tells us about political issues, political ends, and the like. So one thing that would make someone a particular type of, of, of a posek is what area of halacha do they study? He notes as well that in general religious Zionist poskim, one sees similar methodologies often and certain sources that are called by these poskim that may not be by others. He notes that there's a tendency amongst religious Zionist poskim when dealing with state issues to celebrate kula, to celebrate leniency as it was often necessary, relying on the rule of koach, the hetera adif. He notes as well that they tend to value decisions that will enable the state to function, will unify the community. In some poskim, you'll find that they are more likely to use Eretz Yisrael sources, whether it be the Yerushalmi or other sources or even outside literature. He notes as well that obviously the substance of their, their ruling will often reflect the fact that they are religious Zionist post-scheme they will talk about religious Zionist issues, issues arising from the establishment, existence, and the activities of the state. In certain instances, he notes that you will find that their way of thinking about state-related issues, about Zionist-related issues, might even affect the way they think about classic halacha. Perhaps once they've developed certain kulot, let's say for Hilchot Shabbat, for the army or the police force that might spill over in terms of how they understand halacha in general, Hilchot Shabbat. All of these are indeed true about religious Zionist post-game, and we could use these three defining characteristics to talk about other people, to talk about other types of post-game. A Poseik in Hilchot Nida would be a Poseik who writes about Hilchot Nida, just like a religious Zionist Poseik will deal with laws of the state. Other Poskim may be involved in Kulot, in Chumrot, that may be one of the ways of defining a Poseik, etc. But I want to focus on two of the points that he makes in this article, which I think will get to the question that we've been discussing. And he notes that one of the things that he believes makes someone a religious Zionist posik, or, again, none of these are by themselves defining, and in the article he goes through several poskim who are borderline, people like the Tzitzeliezer and the like, but two of the points he makes is that many religious Zionist poskim, you can tell their orientation as poskim from the style and form of how they write. And he notes 
that one of the dividing differences between the post-Kim and the religious Zionist community and, let's say, the Haredi community is not just everything we've discussed before, which is pretty predictable. What do you study? How do you paskin? And what are you involved in? But he says another dividing line is how do you write? Style and form. And he notes that in many, though not all, yeshivish or Haredi halachic writings, the language is lishna de Rabbana, is the language of the achronim, perhaps the language of the Beit Midrash. It mixes the vernacular with jargon, Gemara terminology, certain phrases that appear in halachic writing. And that, he notes, already tells you that the audience that those poskim are writing to are expected to understand those phrases, that jargon, that dialect, as it were, of Hebrew, that rabbinic tongue. Many religious Zionist poskim have chosen to write their halachic writings in modern Hebrew. And he notes that that already indicates something about who do the poskim think their audience is. And as we've been discussing, part of psak is not just the decision you make, not just the obvious things we've talked about that he outlined as the first three things that make a religious Zionist posik. What do you study? How do you poskin? And the like. But one of the things that determines what type of posik someone is, is who does he think he's writing for? If he thinks that he's writing for a community which speaks Lishna Dirabanan, then that already tells you he's writing for a yeshiva community, a community that is perhaps steeped in the world of the Achronim, perhaps has Yiddish or Yiddish isms as part of their vernacular, will recognize certain jargon, will be more comfortable in that particular dialect. When a posek decides to write in modern Hebrew, so then they're making a decision to widen their audience, to speak to people who may be proficient in Hebrew, but not necessarily in classic rabbinic texts. They're making a decision to write in such a way that an educated layman who reads Hebrew will understand what they're writing. I would add here that while Rabbi Dr. HaKohen is writing in the Israeli context, this insight can be expanded. And poskim who either write in English or provide translations of their chuvot are also making a statement about which community they are writing for then they are writing, not just for the people who are proficient in Hebrew, but they are telling you that their audience is even someone who doesn't necessarily read Hebrew, 
Perhaps they're educated and will understand a sophisticated piece in English. Perhaps not. But they're definitely not reading in Hebrew. And that already tells you something, again, about who does the Posek believe they are writing for. Recently, I was thinking about this in the context of the Chuvot that Rav Herschel Schachter has been issuing in the context of the coronavirus. His Chuvot have been collected both on Yu Torah and on the Kol Corona website. And it's interesting that his Chuvot are published, each, each of them, or most of them at least, in two languages, both in English and in Hebrew. But not only is it published in two languages, but the Hebrew often includes more sources. It's written in Rashi script with a fair amount of Lishna Dirabanan. The English is written in very clear vernacular English, often provides a summary of the conclusion reached in the Hebrew, has less jargon, less detail, less formal terms, and it seems that this indicates a lot about who these Chuvot are written for. Now, I'm not sure to the extent of how much Roshechter writes the English as well. I, I haven't checked but however these came to be, it's clear that the fact that he's writing this way shows that as a posaic, he understands that he's not only speaking to one audience, but he's speaking to multiple audiences. He's speaking both, shall we say, to the rabbinic or highly educated Beit Midrash group, and this is indicated by the fact that in the Hebrew, he provides sources, he writes in Lishna Derabanan, and he writes and he types it in Rashi script, which already limits the audience to a certain group of people who are more proficient in reading that. But he also understands that his psakim are important for the laity who may not be able to engage in A, Hebrew, B, Rashi script, C, detailed halachic argumentation, but are in fact turning to him for his expert guidance in halacha. And rather than rely on their rabbis to interpret his chuvot for them, translation and the bottom line is provided in the body of the chuva itself. And I think this is fascinating. Because if you think about it, as I said, the act of psak is just as much about who do you think you are writing for as it is what exactly are you saying, what are you articulating. And here, we could have seen this going in several directions. You could have written the tshuva only in Lishna de Rabbanon with Rashi script, and then perhaps what that would be indicating, if subconsciously, is that the direct audience of these tshuvot are, as I said, perhaps the rabbis of the community, or at least the uh, highly educated. And these chuvot, therefore, would be viewed as those directed primarily to the, shall we say, second tier of halachic authorities, who will then convey the information to those who are not able to read that. But the choice to write 
in both shows, again, that Rosh Hashanah believes, correctly, I think, that his audience is not only the experts, but the layman who wants to directly know what it is that Rav Shechter is saying. And by providing a summary in English, he's making it very clear that he has a dual audience. I would note that the many of the rabbinic groups in different communities that have been issuing their policy statements about whether shuls should remain open or closed, whether minyanim should be held at all outside porches, etc. Which essentially, when you think about it, are psakim. They are halachic statements. Those have been made in many American communities, whether it be by the individual shul or whether it be by the body of rabbis in a given community, they have been made only in English. Now, this is not surprising, but perhaps we don't always think about what this tells us. And it tells us what is perhaps intuitive, but worth stating explicitly, that the audience of these statements are primarily the members of their shul the members of their community, the lady who aren't necessarily privy to the details of halachic decision-making, or, to be fair, don't care under the circumstances exactly what's going on behind the scenes because they trust their rabbis, they trust the wisdom of the religious leadership. And I think Rabbi Dr. Hakohen's point that simply by looking at the language that a posig uses, whether it be Lishna de Rabbanan in Israel, contemporary Hebrew or in America, English, and looking at what, if there's multiple languages, what is provided in the translation and how much detail is provided in the original, and what is the difference, how is it written, what font, who does that speak to, is important to understand this element of psak, namely the audience to whom a decision is oriented, and, as I noted in the context of Shechter's Shuvah, not just the audience that will eventually follow these psakim, but, even more specifically, the audience who will read them. Because again, one could distinguish and say, my audience, in terms of who I think will follow the Psakim, are, let's say, the modern Orthodox community in America. But then I still need to make a decision. Do I write it in Lishna de Rabbanan and send it out to the rabbis and understand that my direct audience are the rabbis and only then are the Psakim filtered down to the community? Or do I think there's a value in articulating my positions directly to the lady as well. And by Rav Shechter having both elements present in each text, one sees that he believes, and again, I believe correctly, that both the rabbinic establishment and the balabatim, the laity, care about his halachic guidance, and therefore, by writing in this language, he has been responsive to the needs of those who look towards him for halachic guidance. 
Another element that Dr. Rabbi Dr. HaKohen um, highlights that for him points to someone being defined as a religious Zionist posig, but for my purposes can be expanded to understanding the way audience is a relevant factor in how poskim write and how they formulate halachic decisions, even if not how they reach them, is simply the organization. And he notes that if you read classic chuvot, there are no subheadings, there are no subtitles, there are no headings, there isn't necessarily organized. It may be an essay that simply reads straight and one must go through to get the conclusion. And again, that a modern posseg who would write the same way, who would write a 10-page chuva with no breaks, with no subtitles, with no headings, with no bullet points, would be indicating that their audience is definitely the audience who is reading it. Again, not necessarily the audience who will follow it, but the audience who is reading it is the highly educated, who is used to this language. He notes that in the religious Zionist community, <coughs> many post-scheme write articles which look more like articles rather than traditional chuvot. And he said, for example, if you open Truman, which is one of the leading halakhic journals in Israel, one will find there's a table of contents. Each article is written with headings broken down into subsections with a title, often with summaries at the end of each section, and then a summary at the end of the article in general. And he notes that even this organizational point indicates that <coughs> those who are writing in Chumen understand that their audience are people who are comfortable, more comfortable, and appreciate, shall we call it, a more academic style of writing and find it more amenable than the traditional lengthy tshuva. And again, both of these points, the style and form, highlight the extent to which we do a disservice to Psak if we only talk about <coughs> the ways in which Psak is about the formulating of the halachic position. When so much of psak is not just how do you formulate a position, but who do you speak to, who do you convey it to, who is the community that you are responsive to, and how do you formulate that. And when you're thinking about that aspect of psak, it's just as important to see what language they use, what font they use, whether they provide translation, how do they organize the chuvo to understand the way a posaic understands himself, his self-understanding of who is his community, to whom is he responsible. The final point, there are Dr. Hakohen notes, similarly speaks to the centrality of audience. And that is the media that is used to communicate conclusions. And here again, so much of this is probably not spoken out by Poskim or perhaps even thought about explicitly, but is implicit in what they do and points to what they understand themselves to be doing and who they believe they're speaking to.
So for example, a community in which a posaic believes that the most effective way <coughs> of getting their voice heard is to write shorter halachic pieces, <coughs> to post them on websites, on social media, make sure that they're sent out through Facebook, through WhatsApp groups, who a posek who sets up a <coughs> shoot WhatsApp, a WhatsApp group with their community, with their students, to answer questions. All of that points to an understanding that that posek's community is one that is tech-savvy, who appreciates and utilizes and is comfortable with the internet and social media, etc. A posaic who publishes in a journal that is printed only in a hard form and distributed in Bate Midrash is making it very clear that their audience is the Yoshevei Beit HaMidrash. And so much can be seen about the community of a posaic based on how they choose to communicate their decisions. And again, I think this became clear in the last few months as one watches the ways in which um, psakim have been issued in the modern communities and in the more Haredi communities, definitely here in Israel. In as um, Rabbi Yoshua Pfeffer noted in, a read, noted in a recent article, one of the reasons that at the beginning the Haredi community was slightly less responsive to the um, health directives, and I don't want to get political here, but I just want to focus on one point he made there, was simply that they're not as connected to the internet. And therefore, while it was a given in most of Israel that we would be able to find out what the Ministry of Health said almost instantly, that's just not a given if you're not tied in to the internet. And similarly, the halachic conclusions of the post-scheme didn't spread as fast, even if they had ruled that it was forbidden to go to Minyan, that wouldn't spread as fast if they're speaking to a community that doesn't take it as a given that everyone has a smartphone and therefore can't be emailed, whatsapped, etc. immediately. And I think this is an important thing to think about. That in order to be an effective POSIG, one needs to, as we just talked about, write in a language and a way that will be understood by the community one wants to reach, but one also must be sensitive to the media one uses to publicize one's psakim. And the choices that a posek makes are both reflective of and in a certain sense determinative of which community will be listening to their psakim. And more modern communities both need and will be able to hear the voice of a posaic who is savvy enough to either themselves or those around them to convey their psakim in ways that be con- can be communicated over the internet and social media. And you see this, that 
the poskim in the modern Orthodox community, every decision that they made, whether it be Rav Shechter's psakim, or it be these statements that were made by various communities, they were published online on their website. Perhaps, in the case of Rav Shechter, special websites were created to organize the decisions. They were posted and shared from these websites on Facebook. They were sent out in WhatsApp groups. They were forwarded on from these groups to other people who might be interested. And all of this was both necessary for a community that is tied that way into technology and also made these Rabbanim's voices heard in such communities because they were writing and communicating through the media that, that their community uses. So again, the choice of which media you use is both reflective of the community you know you're speaking to and determines which community will be able to hear you. Those communities, or those post-scheme who are writing to communities who are not so tech-savvy, by choice, so they don't necessarily write this way. And perhaps they communicate their psakim through phone calls or through kolkores which were plastered around the community or perhaps were published in the newspapers published internally within the community or passed mouth to mouth and person to person within those communities. And as I said, while I've used Dr. Cohen's article to touch on what it might be to be a religious Zionist post-sake, my focus today was to think not just about the substance of Psak. How do you, does a post reach a particular conclusion? How do they think about certain issues? Which issues do they choose to talk about? But to highlight that once one recognizes that so much of Psak is not just what you say and what types of questions you deal with, but the community you are responsible for. So then one will realize that things that might seem trivial are in fact reflective of and determinative of the community that you're involved with and is not just as much a part of Psak, but is critical in understanding the role of a posaic. And the two main issues that we focused on in that context today are style and form, what language one writes in English, Hebrew, modern, how one organizes, and how does one then choose to communicate them. And again, the choice of publishing online of, or in hard copy, using social media or not, writing long form or short form, all these factors highlight the extent to which effective psaac has to care not just about the substance but the form of the way that halachic decisions are communicated.